wondering how did we get here? What's our story? Where are we going? All that stuff. Uh, we got a video team. Has had a passion to plant new churches since its inception and in 2005. Our prayers and dreams started to become a reality with the opportunity of planting a church in the Sunnyside area. And with Sam and Annette Sarkissian giving leadership, we established what was called the Grove Community Church, meeting at Fancher Creek Elementary School. And the Grove grew into a thriving congregation. Over the years, it ran into some hard times, started to decline a bit, and eventually in 2012, a small core group that was remaining came back to Mountain View to say, can you help us continue on and thrive as a church? I had the unique privilege of being on the team that was sent out to help restart Sunnyside Campus, and it was awesome. And I learned a ton, learned about preaching and leading. We learned about how to put on movies and the Fancher Creek Auditorium where we were meeting and how to flyer for those. We learned how to put on a carnival and how to flyer for those. We learned how to put on a food and clothing distribution for our community and flyer for those. We did a lot of flyering, uh, but we learned a ton and God did some amazing things. People were saved, baptized, discipled, and really God was preparing the way so that we, my wife and I, Roxanna, could be sent out by Sunnyside Campus to Germany to do God's work there. And so Pastor John could come and do amazing, incredible things by the grace of God. So thank you so much for letting us be a part of your story. Yeah, showing up to Mount View Sunnyside in the Southeast Fresno community in 2013, we were just convinced that the kingdom of God shows up when the gifts of the church meet the needs of the world. And so we helped furnish somebody's apartment who his apartment had just burned down in the community. Uh, we provided a pancake breakfast on Christmas um, and photos with Santa. We uh, provided a trunk or treat event and then just kind of went all out. And God brought the most amazing people to our church. Um, one time when we were meeting at Sunnyside High School, uh, we had somebody who wanted to get baptized and we just couldn't wait to celebrate what God had done in his life. And he had an ankle monitor on and an ankle monitor, um, it wasn't like a fashion thing. And so, uh, but he couldn't get it wet. And so we had to baptize somebody with their leg outside the water. And I'll never forget the roar of applause that happened that Sunday morning, celebrating that God had brought this person from death to life, from slavery to freedom. And that's what Mountain View Sunnyside is all about. And so you are a part of um, God meeting the needs of the world with the gifts of the church. So congratulations on your grand opening, Mountain View Sunnyside. So as a church, and as Sunnyside, we were super excited about sending John and his team to go plant a church. And if you all remember, it was amazing because John had done such a great job here that the whole staff and most of the leaders and tons of people went. So we looked and said, now we get to relaunch Sunnyside again, which was a great blessing because you all came and you're here. And I really love how it says it, Matthew, you're a light of the world, a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And I want to bless you today, Sunnyside, because you really are that light on a hill. I'm so grateful for Pastor Ken and Anna and Pastor Tim and Robin and the rest of the team coming and showing up down here, gathering you all together, and once again, marching the church forward to see great things happen. So then a miraculous thing happened, and we bought this building. God had perfect timing for when you moved in, and today is the day of a grand opening. It's a lot of work, but look around you. This place is beautiful. This place is a gift from Jesus, but it's not a gift from Jesus for you to just stay here by yourselves. It's a gift from Jesus to be a light on a hill that cannot be hidden and to continue to shine brightly in this community. 
So church, continue to be a light on a hill. Continue to shine brightly for Jesus because we don't know what's around the next corner, but I'm praying it's people saying yes to Jesus, people getting baptized, the church growing, and the blessings of Jesus coming. So God bless you today on your grand opening. So what do we do now? Where do we go from here? That's what I want to talk about today. We're going to be in John chapter 4. This is going to be kind of our story. This is our direction. This is our DNA about how we exist as a church. Uh, This Sunday, we're starting a series called God's Design for for, uh, Relationships. So when we look at friendship, what do we do? Like, how do we live this out? And I want to look at a story from Jesus uh, because our goal, our passion is to follow this as closely as possible. So we're going to be in John chapter 4, verse 1. And up to this point, Jesus Jesus and his group of guys are traveling, and the John, the guy who's there, he's watching all this. He's walking with Jesus literally in this. He says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Like there, there are a number of layers to this. One of those is that Jesus actually had to do something, which I look at, and I think if there's anyone in the world who could get out of doing something, it's Jesus. He's the only guy who got out of being dead. Okay? He got out of swimming across the lake or getting on a boat to go to his friends. He went on a walk, and now he's with his friends. He was walking through town one day, and a funeral procession blocked his way. So he unblocked the funeral. He rose the guy from the dead up out of the casket. Blockage removed. I can keep going. I tried that in traffic, and it is yet to work. <laughs> but the reason that Jesus had to go through Samaria, the one guy who could get out of doing anything that he wanted, the one guy who had to go through Samaria, he had to go there because there was somebody there who needed him. So for us, the first thing I want us to see, even before we dive into the story, is that Jesus' family knows that people matter most. Jesus' family knows that people matter most. Why did Jesus, the guy who could do anything he wanted, had to go, to, had to go through Samaria? Because there was someone there who needed to meet Jesus. There was a person, there was a soul, there was a DNA, there was heart with bones and skin and an identity. And Jesus said, that's why I have to go. It's because there's a person there. If you're here and you're packed in and you're thinking, I'm just, I'm, I'm here. Like, this is all that I got. I can't do anything. I, I'm barely holding it together. I don't even know if God likes me at this point. You're the reason why this exists. Jesus loves you. Jesus has a plan for your life. He has forgiveness he wants to pour over you. He's got a relationship he wants to invite you into. Why? Because you matter most. And as Jesus' family, this is something that we get into our head and into our hearts early if you're here and you're a Jesus follower, is everybody matters. If you're here and you're not a Jesus follower, what's rule one is we love God with everything and we demonstrate that by loving people with everything. And so Jesus has to go through Samaria. And he says this in John chapter four, verse seven. He says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Okay, so there's a little bit of angst here. Like, that's not how everybody replies to Jesus. And the thing is, is that Jews and Samaritans absolutely hated each other. And that hatred went both ways. You've heard the story of the good Samaritan before, or you've heard that terminology before. The reason that's a thing is because those two groups of people, the Jewish audience who heard that and the Samaritans who were the object in the story, they hated each other. In our day, this is MAGA and Antifa hanging out at the well, having a drink together, okay? One of them has Chick-fil-A, the other one has Ben and Jerry's, and they're okay with that. It's red hats and black masks everywhere, like everybody's just there. 
And so Jesus asks her for a drink. She's like, why? That's her answer, why? The reason is because she matters. She's the reason that Jesus had to go. Tuesday afternoon, I got home. Uh, it was, you know, sometimes you just like get home and you just had a crappy day. Like, that's just reality. And, uh, and Anna tells me uh, that one of her students is having a really hard time. That's a person. Instantly, my crappy day is much lower on the spectrum because one of her students is having a really hard time. And I recognize the name. It's a unique name. And so I'm like, that, she was really, like, she was one of your favorites. Anna says, yeah, she was my favorite. Now, we have two daughters who are both she's and both within earshot of this. So the old one, older one, says, hey, I, I thought I was your favorite. <laughs> and I was like, yes, you are my favorite. And if there's anything in the world that's going to set off a middle child, it's finding out that she just got relegated to bronze medal of the favorite category. She jumps up. She's like, what? I'm still here. And Anna's like, yes, you're my favorite. Jesus looks at all of us the same way. He's like, you're my favorite. You matter. For us to be a group of people that loves and reflects Jesus, that means that we know that people matter most. Honestly, that's why we have a grand opening, okay? We have a grand opening for 66,000 reasons living around our church. It's because not everybody cares about Easter. And if you're here and you're here because somebody invited you in their tacos and Easter, you did other things, that's exactly why we're doing this because we want you to know that Jesus loves you. We want you to know that Jesus has a plan for you, that Jesus has a new life for you, that Jesus has forgiveness he wants to invite you into. And that's all part of his plan because people matter most in Jesus's family and we understand that. That just like was said on the video, this place is for people who don't know Jesus but know one of us or they know how to pull in when they see a taco truck setting up in the parking lot. <laughs> Let's just be honest, okay, that's a good reason. But Jesus' family knows that people matter most. Jesus' family also knows that people need Jesus. Jesus' family knows that people need Jesus. I get asked all the time, like, does your church have insert thing here? Does your church have counseling? It's me. It's not that great. Does your church have a recovery program? Kind of, but we meet like three miles up the street. Does your church have a dog park? Really? That was asked. And once again, the answer is no. Well, we have some unorganized dog parks that we find when we're cleaning up on Sunday morning, okay? That's what we have. <laughs> but, you know, we're, we're doing all that we can do, and that's talk about Jesus and give people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. That's what we have. That's all that we have. And the reason we have that is because we know that people need Jesus. And we want to be doing everything we can as a church to connect people with Jesus. That's our number one objective, is to have people who are far from him meet Jesus and have everything changed. And once people meet Jesus to grow in their relationship with him, because it's not a one and done, it's the type of thing that gets into our lives and slowly begins to change everything, not through coercion, but because Jesus changes our heart. And so Jesus and the woman continue to talk. The two people who are socially completely at odds, Jesus is making an inroad into the lady's life because he knows that people matter most and he knows that people need Jesus. Verse 10, Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Remember, he asked for water and he's saying, I'm going to give you water actually. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you, what can you offer? How can you offer better water than he and his sons? 
and that his animals also enjoyed. And Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon be thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give you will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman says, give me this living water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. They're talking about something physical. They live in the desert. Water is a little bit important. And Jesus is trying to take that physical need and direct her toward a spiritual need, something that she needs in this life and the next, something that won't leave her parched after that water grows dry in her mouth. He keeps redirecting the lady back to himself. And I love the question where he says, if you only knew. That's the beginning. Jesus is beginning to unpack the good news that changes the world, that changes us, that changes history, that changes the direction of the church, that changes the understanding of how you and I get into a relationship with a God who actually does exist and actually does love you. Because that starts with love. At the very beginning of everything, God looks at you and me with eyes of love today. Not based on what happened yesterday. Not based on who you can be tomorrow not based on some eventuality of your life. God looks at you today with love because you have a pulse. And he says, all right, there's a pulse. I love him. That's how it is. Within that, there's an understanding that you and I are all sinners, that through word, through thought, through deed, we run away from God by the things that we do in our lives. And what God did that was so foundational is he sent Jesus into the world to run after us, to save us from our sin, and to forgive us and offer us and invite us into new life. And we get to make the decision about how we respond to that. The Holy Spirit's not going to grab anybody and pull them into the kingdom. This is an invitation from God to us. And Jesus is beginning to unpack this. He's saying, if you only knew, he's saying, I've got life, I've got forgiveness, I've got joy for you that you don't even know about. And it starts in relationship. Earl Ledbetter is getting baptized. He's going to come up with us uh, and share his story about how he met Jesus. Come on up. Today is the day of my baptism. Christ has always been a part of my life since I could remember, but I became serious about him when I was in middle school. Before I became serious about Christ, I was competitive and held in anger. I was also prideful. This led to many negative things like fights. I remember after a fight in middle school, I was scared, not just of the consequences, but of my future. I remember crying out to Jesus for him to help me and deliver me. Since then, my life has improved. I feel more joy, and I feel as if a burden has been lifted. Though I still struggle, I try to keep in mind one of my favorite Bible verses. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. I keep this one in mind because it reminds me that I can overcome any obstacle with Christ. To me, the cross is a place for forgiveness because Jesus died for our sins. And so I may never be perfect as long as I accept Christ, I am saved. Today, I'm getting baptized because I'm ready to commit my life to Christ, my Savior. Good job.
So Earl's going to be baptized outside in the parking lot. As soon as we're done, we'll all file out, and it'll be awesome. So Jesus' family knows that people need Jesus, and Jesus' family also knows that people can't fix themselves. Jesus' family knows that people can't fix themselves. You know, the reality is that we're broken people living in a broken world. That we'd be liars to say that as soon as we walk into this place or go through the gates and, and pass through onto this parking lot, that all of a sudden, all of our sin, all of our weaknesses, all of our shortcomings leave us and everything is great and it's always going to be great. Now, there's sin, there's brokenness, there's darkness, there's deception in this room and in the kids' rooms because we brought it there. Like, that's just reality, and we're liars to say that that's not the case. Sin outside the church works its way into the church because we bring it. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you think that you're too broken to be a follower of Jesus, meet us. Start talking to us. You're going to find out that this is not a place where we button up our crazy. We, sometimes it just comes out and it just goes. Like, we're broken people living in a broken world. We recognize what Jesus sees in us, though, and that's what brought him into the world. That Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and that's us. And the darker that it is inside of us, the brighter Jesus' light shines. Because the truth is, is all of us are more broken, more deception, or more deceptive, more dishonest, more everything envious than we could ever think possible. And nothing brings that out like the presence of Jesus. He continues with the lady. He says, please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. And so Jesus says, the one question that she didn't want to go, the one thing she didn't want to talk about, he says, go and get your husband. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you're not even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Man, where's the hope in that? Like everything was great, and then he went there, and now there's no hope. Like this is us looking in the mirror of ourselves when we look at just what we can do. But the thing is, is that Jesus changes identities. Jesus changes futures. Jesus changes where we are. Jesus changes struggles. Jesus changes addictions. And he leads us to life. There's no swagger in this woman's heart in the presence of Jesus. She has been completely undone and put on blast. But Jesus has a second half to the story. Media team has a clip. Let's roll that. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. believe what I'm telling you. <laughs> Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, 
you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> So Jesus' family knows that people can't fix themselves. And when that reality hits home, that Jesus is our hope, that Jesus is our future, that Jesus is our forgiveness, that Jesus is our identity, that Jesus is offering us relationship, that changes everything. And if you notice, like the woman's life wasn't exactly immediately everything got better, but her heart changed and her heart got better. And it went from being an outcast and trying to avoid everyone she could to now I'm gonna go tell everyone. Because Jesus' family knows that people carry Jesus' message to a world that needs him. I love that, what, what the, the Jesus character says in the movie. She says, uh, I'm going to tell everyone. He said, yeah, that's what I was counting on. You know, why do we have a building? Why did we do all this stuff? Why did we wait for almost three years for this? So that you and I can have lives put back together by Jesus and then go and tell everyone. That's the plan because Jesus' family knows that people carry Jesus' message to a world that needs him. And we're those people. Today is a moment where we put our flag in the ground and saying we understand the fact that God loves us. That's why we're here. We understand the fact that sin separates us from that love of God and from the love of other people. And so that's why we're here. We understand the fact that Jesus came into the world to save sinners and that's us. That we are totally broken to the core, and if we invite Jesus into our life, we are totally saved, forgiven, redeemed, and set into a new life. And that's why we're here. This is a family moment for us. If you're a part of the family of Jesus, this is what we stand for, that God loves us, sin separates us. Jesus calls us into relationship to him for us to say, yes, here I am. Let's go. If you're not, I want you to know that this is what this place is about. That we're about men and women meeting Jesus kids growing in their relationship of following Jesus, seeing family lines changed, not because we're amazing, but because Jesus is. We're gonna close with a worship song, and as we close, my challenge for us is this is a commission moment for us to say as much as I'm here, and if you're visiting and you're passing through, that's even better because you're gonna take this back to wherever you spend your Sundays because Jesus has you on mission. And we're the people who communicate that. We're the people who tell everyone we know. Because that's the, that's the goodness of doing relationship the way that God created it, the way that God chose us, is we are sent into the world to make much of Jesus and bring people to him. Let's stand and pray.